Oh, there we go, yeah. We see it, okay, cool. What's up, everyone? This is the first episode of the Open Guardcast Listener Series, and uh, we have Spencer Selman today joining us. Joining me, Jay Canvega, today. <laughs> but Spencer, of what's course. up? How you doing? <laughs> hey, man. How are you today? Pretty good. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's pretty cool. We started a Patreon page, and one of our goals for it is just kind of interact with some of our listeners a little bit more and get them on the podcast and just get their thoughts and get kind of a different demographic from jiu-jitsu outside of the people who've been doing it since they were four years old and they're professionals with academies and stuff. Just just kind of get a different perspective and get to know people better. So we really appreciate you uh, you taking the time to come on and for yeah, being man. a patron. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, thanks. Um, Patreon stuff's good. It's a It's a cool idea. If you pay enough like I do, you just kick Jake off the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the highest tier of the, <laughs> yeah. of the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> that's awesome. So, you want to just like start out talking about like your origin story in Jiu-Jitsu, how you originally got introduced to it and, and got into it? Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, I actually started doing Jiu-Jitsu about ten years ago for like three months. My dad is a brown belt. Um, oh, so he's awesome. been doing, yeah, yeah. He's been doing jujitsu for a while. He's actually should be getting his black belt soon, I think. But, uh, yeah, so he started doing it, um, just from MMA, you know, uh, I like MMA. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of it, but, um, but yeah, so, so he got me into that and I didn't, when I first started, I didn't really like it at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did it for about three months and then I quit. Um, and then about, Five years later, when I was 25, I uh, was about to get married. And then uh, when I weighed myself right before the wedding, I was like 200 pounds. Oh, shit. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so I decided to lose a bunch of weight for the wedding, obviously. Um, but then I started doing jujitsu again because I wanted to keep the weight off. Um, mm-hmm. And so I started at uh, – restarted at um, – uh, Swamp Fox Jiu-Jitsu Academy in um, Florence, South Carolina. Um, if you guys have any familiarity with um, South Carolina, it's about an hour and a half from Myrtle Beach is the best thing. Mm-hmm. That's like probably the biggest city. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, so I started there. Um, really, really liked it. Uh, the original owner was Tim. He's awesome. Uh, trained for about six months and did a bunch of tournaments did pretty well in the tournaments got my blue belt in about six or seven months something like that mm-hmm. and then uh and then uh afterwards just uh about, about after training about three years the gym changed ownership to uh brian edwards our current head black belt and so about that three-year mark brian saw i was at the gym all the time so he's like he's like hey do you want to start working and managing the gym and so, yeah, I started – so about in 2017, I started uh, just working at the gym, and basically it jiu-jitsu became my job at that point. And then I've just been working there for about four years now, um, and then just recently got my brown belt in, in December. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So you yeah. said when you when you first started, you did those three months and you didn't like it. Like what was it about jiu-jitsu that you didn't like? I don't like know, man. Like <laughs> I don't know. I think because it was very much like – it was an MMA gym, and the gym's great. Yeah. Like it really is. I guess I just I I the I don't think the vibe was bad or anything, but maybe it just wasn't for me at the time. Um, mm-hmm. 
but like the people are great. I still keep in contact with a lot of those people at that gym. And it's it's great, but it just like I just didn't I didn't like it at all. I think it's because I was getting beat up all the time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> in that first three months, and you know, everybody's like everybody's terrible at jujitsu the first three months. Oh yeah. Was it uh, was it the vibe in like an MMA style jujitsu gym? Was that different than a pure jujitsu gym? Did you feel? Uh. Yeah, probably um at the time i didn't have anything really to compare it to all i remember was like we did like key locks every class americana's every for some reason that was the only Same submission I, yeah it was like every class i remember that and i was like i was like even like even i was bigger than like like fatter but i wasn't like strong and so i could never get that on anybody yeah that's funny so another interesting thing i thought you mentioned was you started like you started back up when you were 25 and you eventually made jiu-jitsu like part of your your income your living so yeah. what, if, what advice would you give to someone? Because I think there's a lot of people like that. They start like at an age where maybe they're not going to be like a professional black belt adult world champion, but they mm -hmm. still want to make jujitsu like a huge part of their life, maybe have part of their income be from jujitsu or just like be really involved in the sport. So like what advice would you give to someone who has a goal like that, but maybe they didn't start training when they were four years old? Um, so my thing is just like I was – I was very available whenever they needed it. And, I, you know, I started I started like helping out at the gym like most people do when they do is like they get a blue belt. And you're like, oh, blue belt, uh, that means you're a kid's instructor now, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, so I, and so I just started to do that way. But it was like through my relationship with our owner, Brian, who's who's awesome. Um, um, he just saw I was always available. I was really passionate about it. Um and just I was there at the gym all the time. And so he's like, I need someone because Brian, Brian's very successful. He has like a couple other businesses and he goes, I need someone who's passionate about it, who can run the gym when I may not be available that day or anything like that. And I think it's just like availability. And mm -hmm. honestly, for that kind of availability, you may have to make sacrifices. Like you may have to quit your normal job to do that. You know, you may have to you have to make some sort of sacrifices. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but for me, it was just the availability, and I opened up time in my life to be able to 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 do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like you had the space to be able to fill in when you were needed, and you're mm -hmm. probably always the person they looked to when they needed some help. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, do you want to talk about like what your training schedule was like, like maybe when you first started, and then after you became more involved in jujitsu and had some more free time, like how that kind of evolved over time? Yeah, so um, you know, we, you know, like with a lot of people that start jujitsu, it's like you go, you start going, and it's like you go two or three times a week and at night. You like, you know, a lot of people that start jujitsu, they have no idea people do this for a living. They have no idea mm -hmm. people that train multiple times a day because you know they yeah. they see it like any other martial art. You know, you go. A lot of people, it's their social hour. They go, they visit them there. Um, but yeah, when I started off, it was just like a couple times a week. Um, uh, primarily night classes and every once in a while someone would open up for like an early open mat and then obviously like open mat on Saturdays but once I got hired on like I was there all day every day um, training two sometimes three times a day um, this is when I was like still in my 20s I'm 32 now it's a little harder to do that to be I'm 32 honest also. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you feel a difference between training at 20 and 30 right yeah, definitely. I started yeah, when yeah. I was when I was twenty one. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was just uh and it's just, just like yeah, I just uh, eventually because I wanted to compete more, I wanted to train more, I started lifting because of that, even though mm -hmm. you cannot tell that. Um <laughs> uh, 
it's just you know it kind of consumes you after a while once you get that deep into it yeah. and and whether that's a good or a bad thing for some people um uh i don't necessarily think it's 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 only a bad thing if you let it be a bad thing but but once you kind of consume it for a lot of people jujitsu is a very positive influence and for me it's been extremely positive it's given me a job it's given me a passion it's given me a bunch of stuff because like after college like i didn't know what i wanted to do like i bounced around from job to job for a while and it wasn't until mm-hmm. i found jujitsu that i found something like oh this is really cool this is something i enjoy this is what i want to do and so like it just consumed me so i was training a lot a lot that's a awesome. lot yeah that's awesome so one thing we talked about too before we started recording was that you do a lot of like 5 a.m classes like yes. early bird, early early style training. And I know a lot of people are into that, especially people that have jobs and families. They want to spend their nights with their kids or their significant others, whatever. So you want to talk about uh, what it's been like since you started doing early bird classes or early morning classes consistently. Yeah. Um, so the early morning classes were probably originally started by Brian, the owner, my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because the, the funny – thing about brian is brian like he runs like three different businesses and then he also has five girls and so like he literally sometimes does does not have time to come into the night class Uh to to train and brian like me is a huge like competitor like he's um he's won like in the master's divisions he's won like nogi nogi pans he's double golden in that he's he's won like brown belt pans i think at the master's division but but the only way he can be that competitive is he he has to train at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And like, like uh, like he trained this morning. I didn't get the to this morning's training unfortunately. But and he trained Tuesday morning. And then sometimes he'll be like, "Hey, can anybody meet me at the gym at 5 a.m. on Friday?" Mm-hmm. Brian is a very early riser, and that Brian doing that has kind of like spread amongst the culture of the entire gym. Now we have like a whole crew of people that only want to train at 5 a.m. That only want to train at 6 a.m. There's like we have people who train at the 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. sessions that I, that some of the night instructors have never even met, just because yeah. that's all they do. Like it just it's just been it's cool because it's like two different cultures inside the gym, but they but it's kind of spread apart. But I think it's necessary if you want to compete and you and you work like a nine to five. Like mm-hmm. like you've got to make it that sacrifice of getting up an hour earlier to go train to get your rounds in. Because, you know, you may not, you know, job, your job may be crazy. Your kids may be sick. You may have to go take, take, go to a child's graduation or something. You may not get that night session in. So you need to train at the 5 a.m. to get your rounds in. Yeah, it's like if you start your day with that, then there's less likelihood of something coming up that interrupts your normal training. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's similar to, you know, like people who get up at 5 a.m. to lift or work out, mm-hmm. you know. That's the time they have allotted to them. So, yeah. And I think if, if you're going to, like you said, compete and you have a nine to five, that'll give you an opportunity to like, if you have extra time at night, now you could do like more drilling, you could do another sparring session, like whatever. Yeah. It's just an- another way to get more training time. In. Yeah. And for, for me, it, it helps out a lot because I get training partners in at that time. Like I can't do like, I know there's like other schools you go see where they have like an 11 a.m. comp class. That's just not feasible for, for me and our town because we have so, we have so many people that work. Mm-hmm. during that time so i can't get training partners during that time so i have to get up at 5 a.m to get an extra couple rounds and to get like if i want to do two days this week I'll, I'll do i'll have to do that i can't do it at 11 a.m 3 p.m 6 6 30 a.m uh, p.m yeah for sure 
So um, we talked a little bit too offline about like competition and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you feel like since you started doing the 5 a.m. consistently that's helped in terms of competition results? Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, one, it's just, in my opinion, it's just hard. It's mentally tough to wake up yeah, that early it is. to Dude, get I'm out of bed. When I wake up that yeah, early. I know, me too. Yeah, it's just it's hard, and I think it just it just helps with like mental toughness in the first place, yeah. just to get up and go to that. And you know, um, if you ever compete, like there's a huge like mental toughness a aspect of it. You can be the most physically fit individual in the world. If you're not there mentally, you're gonna lose. Like, and I really think that getting up and doing something. You know, even even in the grand scheme of things, it may not be that hard. There are people who do way harder things than getting up at 4 a.m. to train, you know. Mm -hmm. But but for the average person, like, that's tough. Like, yeah. that's going to – that's really going to push you to 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 a, to a mentally a next level to, to, to kind of push push to push you to make your jiu-jitsu greater. For sure. Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with Miki Galval and, and his mm -hmm. dad and, and that team. But uh, that's one of the things that they do consistently is they have their competition training like 5 or 6 a.m. That's just, awesome purely just for the mental toughness aspect and like no they feel like no one else is getting up at that time to do hard competition yeah, it, rounds yeah it, it also sucks because you wake up to get your ass beat basically yeah yeah. yeah like like it's not like you're going into flow roll or drill or anything you wake up to yeah. get your ass beat i know yeah they're going 100 miles per hour every round <laughs> yeah and then doing striping conditioning after it's crazy the way they train that's <laughs> insane nuts. so uh, another thing we talked about offline that i want to bring up um was just that you're a relatively new dad. I don't know how old your son mm -hmm. is, but uh, um, he just turned a year old um, a year two old. months ago. Yeah, he's a year That's old. That's crazy. Yeah. So what's it like balancing all your family responsibilities with your son and your wife and still having that competitive edge? Because I feel like a lot of people, they kind of gravitate towards like either like being a competitor and putting everything else aside or they really focus on their families. And there's not a lot of people who can maintain that balance of being an active competitor and having like a healthy home life. So, so – I have like a unique situation because I do work at the gym, but yeah. um, for for me, it's really pu pushed. Um, it's really pu pushed me to to, to kind of like siphon out a lot of the fat in my day to day training. Mm -hmm. Like a lot, a lot of times, you know, you know, if, if if I if I if I'm only training once that day and I'm not planning to compete, like I could go in, do my A game, just get my rounds in, get whatever sweep I hit all the time on people just, just to work through my A game. But because I may, like, like I said, I may get the 5 a.m. training in, but I may get the sick because my son, you know, babies get sick all the time. My son could be sick by 6.30 p.m. So when our, re when our night training is, so I may not get that night training. So I need to kind of like zone in with every round and have goal-specific training every time I go in there now. I don't need to just go in there to roll, especially if I'm going to compete. Um, because I have an A game, sure, but I need to be more well-rounded. But if I just go in there just to roll, I'm most likely just going to play my A game every time because I know that's what I'm going to win rounds with. So, mm -hmm. so the 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 idea of that I may not get those rounds in really makes me want to plan ahead and kind of like coordinate what I want to work on every class. And I'm not talking about like specific drilling. I'm just talking about like going in what like okay i really want to work on like something i've been working a lot on recently is the knee cut knee cut passing um mm -hmm. just because for the longest time my passing was atrocious because all i wanted to do is play off my back yeah but but because that's what i want to work on i feel like i'm making significant gains in that um and significant gains in making my training more well-rounded because i'm not just going into role i'm going in with a specific goal in mind every time i train yeah 
Um, so how do you like organize that? Because uh, like you mentioned the knee cut, is it like okay, this whole week I'm just gonna try and knee cut everyone. I'm gonna try and get on top. Use that. Yeah, mask. yeah. So so yeah, yeah. Um, so one of my main ideas in training is in. Um, I kind of have to like uh, I have to give credit to Kit Dale for this um, because yeah. he really helped me out with this. Is like, is like I force I try and if I want to work on the knee cut, I try and force people into guards I know where I can get the knee cut in. Yeah. So like I'll try and force someone to play De La Hiva or something like that, or I'll mm-hmm. try and get someone to force force them and play knee shield. Um, and so you know it's it's a lot of like figuring out the opportunities of where. I can get that to happen. So, so it's like it's like kind of like I'm playing like dual roles here, where I'm trying to force my partner into a certain position while I try and implement what I'm doing. You know? Yeah. Because like you know, and and another thing is like if I'm not just going in necessarily with just one idea in mind, because there could be an t- entire time where I go and I don't get to practice the knee cut position the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, I could go in there, everybody jumps close guard on me. So, so I ha- I'll have multiple things I want to work on, but there's like a big overarching goal, but for me, it's like have two or three things in my mind I want to work on, whether it's knee cut, like pressure passing from top, and then a couple things I want to work on from bottom. And I'm trying to implement those every single time I go in. That's awesome. Yeah, one thing I, I like about that, you said like you'll force like a daily heave up because you know you can hit the knee cut from there. But yes. It's also a good way to practice like, okay, someone has a really good spider guard. Like how do you force them to play a different position? So it's kind of yes. working on the knee cut pass, but it's also – Working on forcing um, the game into the area that you want to work on. Yeah, or yeah, my, my someone's strength. Yeah, my my big thing is like forcing them into a position I know I can pass, mm-hmm. or I know I can implement the pass I want to do on. It, I feel like if you can really do that, like if you can bait them to play, spy, like you said, Spider Guard, or you can bait them to play De La Hiva, You can really, you can really get to where you want to go. I, I think one of like the big misconceptions of like one of the big quotes I hear from jujitsu all the time is like jujitsu is like a chess match. Like it's like you go, I go, you got, I go. I feel like it should be like, I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. And then you're playing catch up the entire time. And so like, if I'm forcing you, if I'm forcing you into a guard, that's me going the entire time. That's not, that's you playing catch up right there. You know, it shouldn't be a, uh, it shouldn't be like a, a cordial game. Like it's, it's a, it's a combat sport. I should be implementing what I want to do the entire time. Yeah, for sure. I definitely feel like when I roll with high-level guys, that's what it feels like. When I'm rolling yeah. with Marcio, I'm like four, five, six, seven, eight moves behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I was rolling with like Kit Dale. Like that was similar to like that when I was rolling with um, uh, there's a black belt who's here. Uh, I think um, who's the guy on the lot last podcast you had? Um, Damian Nickin was he one of them? No, no, no. Uh, yeah. the the, the brown belt who was the who's in his thirties but still won worlds. Oh, Ramananda. Yeah, yeah. He, he he talked yeah, about yeah. yeah. He talked about um a guy named Rayhan. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He lived or about an hour and a half drive away from me, and I'd I'd go out there to train with him, and that's what I felt like rolling with him is like I was always playing catch up. Like he was always implementing yeah. the spots he wanted to be in the entire time, and I was just sure. I was just getting my ass whooped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's good. He's definitely a tough competitor. So, um, do you want to talk a little bit about like competition? Because you compete really actively. Like, maybe start so- start with like how you started getting into it and how your results were and how that kind of evolved as like you got better and you started training more. Yeah. So when I originally restarted training, like I jumped into my first competition at like six weeks. Nice. Like, That's awesome. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And I remember, 
I, d- I did well in my Nogi division, and then I just got, like, demolished in, in, in the key. <laughs> um, just because, I don't know, I just I feel like there's... There. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, and so... And I did well, and I just really liked competing. I don't know if I, I don't know if I say I like competing or if I like winning. Like it, 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 it kind of varies because you know, you know, Losing it's like absolutely those, sucks. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've done it plenty. Like I compete enough, <laughs> I've done it plenty. Like, yeah. but uh, yeah. And then I just, I just really, really enjoy competing, and I really enjoy um, uh, competing at like. Uh, the highest levels as I can, like, like, mm-hmm. you know, right now I'm in my thirties, so I'm doing the master one, one division, but that's still a yeah. really hard division to yeah. win. Absolutely. The first time I moved up to Matt, like I turned 30 and then I was like, all right, I'll do the master's division to see how that is. Like, I thought I was going to like blow through that division. I got strangled the first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like those guys are tough. <laughs> yeah. Insane. But yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, um, like I said, uh, we don't have like, I wouldn't say we have like, a ton of competitors are at our gym but like the 10 or so we have are like diehards like going to every competition that they can uh, trying to win as many as they can and so and so it just it helps to be around people who want to compete to compete more you know and so i think that's the big thing is like that's why i keep competing is just like we turn it into like a big like everybody travels together by rooms together it's just a big fun party for for the weekend and that's that's just like Competing, like winning's awesome, but like the, the, I'm trying to think of the word, um, but just like the time you have with your teammates, like that's even better. Camaraderie. Like, yeah, the camar- camaraderie you have with your teammates, that's even better. Like, cause you know, it sucks to lose, but what's the worst you're going to happen? You're going to have a fun weekend in Miami after you yeah. lose. Yeah. Like that's the worst. Like that's, that's the one thing I tell everybody who, who like gets terrified to compete. I was like, the worst that's going to happen, you know, obviously injury. Uh, yeah, notwithstanding, but the worst is going to happen is you'll lose, and then guess what? You have the entire weekend in L.A. or Dallas or Miami to have fun. Like it's just a trip. Like that's that's how I want people to compete to treat it. Because like you know, I coach a lot of people at our gym. Brian coaches a lot of people at our gym. Like no one really like you know I'm trying to word this as gently as I can. No one really cares if you lose. You know? Yeah, that's true. Like especially in jujitsu, think about like you'll see guy like especially uh, professional competitors where they'll lose like four or five matches they'll lose them in a row but then they'll have that one really good win and no one even brings up the matches that they lost really like yeah everyone always best accomplishments yeah everybody remembers the wins in jujitsu no one really because you compete so much like no one no one really remembers your losses that much you know like you compete so much everybody just remembers the wins do you mostly compete ibjjf tournaments yeah 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 yeah. i do i do a lot of ibjjf then i try and do like the I don't like this term, but like the super fights or whatever. Like, yeah, I just like, win. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, I've never done fight to win, but I've done a bunch of local stuff around here. Like serious grappling is good. I'm doing mm-hmm. battlefield promotions in two weeks, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's like super fights on there. Yeah, but IBJ is just my preferred one. Um, I'm going to do um, the trials in November. I'll see how that goes. That'll be fun. Um, ADCC trials? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. That yeah, I actually really good. like... I, like most of my best accomplishments are probably in gi, but like all of my best, like all most of my 
golds I've taken is in no gi, even though I trained way more in the gi. I don't understand yeah. why. But, yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So have you, uh, since you're doing ACC, I'm sure you're diving into like the leg lock game, the leg yep. entanglements, all that stuff. How has it been learning that stuff? Because I feel like people from an IBJJF background, rightfully so, didn't focus on that kind of like growing up through the belts. But maybe you did, but what was your experience? No, actually, no. We were very um, traditional, like uh, very, very, I think old school is the wrong word, but but very old school style of jiu-jitsu for the most part. Like uh, our best position at our school is probably closed guard. That's most definitely my best position. And so we didn't get a ton of exposure to leg locks, at least not like heel hooks and stuff like that, but like knee bars and stuff we knew about, but but yeah yeah it's it's definitely trying to play catch up on those is definitely difficult especially when you get someone who knows a lot more than you do it's like most of the time it's just like don't let them get my knee line don't let them get my knee line you know it's just trying yeah. to pull your leg out of there but to kind of like balance that out i try and cross train as much as i can at gyms that have a lot of guys that do leg locks stuff like that 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 that's like my big thing is like yeah i drill leg locks and i try and learn them but i but i travel a lot to schools that do leg locks and so i can get an experience of rolling with those people mm-hmm. so has that been a big part of your training too is going to other gyms and cross training i don't know mm-hmm. how big the jiu-jitsu scene is in uh south carolina but uh it's growing opportunities to train it's growing there's 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 more there's probably more schools than you think obviously it's not going to be like like at San Diego or anything like that, but yeah. but yeah, yeah, I cross train um, a little less since we had since we had the kid, um, but I cross train as much as possible. And the cool thing about that is like I manage the gym, and and Brian uh, encourages me to cross train as much as possible. Yeah, do you guys have a lot of visitors in your gym too? Uh, not a, yeah, yes and no. Sometimes we're right off like an interstate, so that really helps, but. I would say we get a couple visitors every month. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So what would you say is like your ultimate like goal as a competitor? Do you have like one IBJJF title you're trying to win? Is it like multiple different goals? Like how do you kind of um, compartmentalize all that? Um, I, I honestly just I like for me honestly it's just trying to trying to win as much as possible. Um. I would like to really jump back into the adult division sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard with the you know the scattered training schedule right now. But but yeah yeah. But if I could pick one thing to win, it would probably be the trials this year. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah yeah. That would that would that would be my that would be my big thing. I, I would prefer that over just about any 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 other like IBJJF title. Even though I would love to win like Nogi Worlds or something. Hmm. Yeah, I want to talk more about the trials, actually. I was just thinking of some more questions yeah, go ahead. about it. But, so you're going to do uh, 66 kilos? Yes. Okay. Um, East Coast trials. So, yeah, you're going to probably have a lot of really tough competitors in that division. I'm sure you know and you've researched. But, like, who are mm-hmm. some of the guys that you've been studying in that division? Uh, I think oh. the sign-ups are publicly available, right? Yeah, like, anybody, anybody, can, anybody can sign up. Yeah, I signed up. I signed up like the first day they came out, like before it got moved. Oh shit! Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, cause, 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 cause I was gonna. Uh, honestly, I would probably would have chickened out if I wouldn't have signed up right then and there. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> like because. I'm just gonna do it now. Commit to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's my big thing. Sign up and then do it. Like, um, I'm trying to think. Like, so who won uh, it? Who won it last time? I think it was. Uh, I know Nikki won the West Coast trials. I don't remember who won East Coast 66. 
I think Keith Kikorian was in the final, but I think he lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know Keith uh, Keith was definitely one of them. Man, who won it? It was some, Maybe it was someone uh, who's not as popular. Honestly, the the one the one per the couple people I look at is obviously like um, Paulo Meow because he's in like he's been in like every single one of them since the beginning of time. I feel like yeah. is he is um, he in this is he in this one? I th- did he retire? Yeah, I thought I thought I saw a video of him with uh, Gianni yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. Like, not competing but, anymore. But 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 I, I watch him just because his style is like very like evergreen. I feel like mm-hmm. like because even though he you know he's not big on like heel hooks or anything like that, but he still does really well, and especially with such a IBJJF-focused game. Mm-hmm. And then um, the uh, one person I've been really looking at because he kind of surprised me last year was Augusto Mendez. Oh, um, yeah. He, his yeah. gym is literally, like, down the street from me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, He's I awesome. feel, <laughs> because I feel like if you really – Look at what he did. He stayed on top the entire time in a very double guard pool, guard playing thing. And I think he got a – just because – and I, it may have been the MMA experience, but he did really well just playing on top in a division oh, yeah. that normally doesn't isn't known for its top players. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, like I've been – like I've been talking about like working on my passing and everything. Even though I'm primarily a guard player, I really have been focusing on wrestling and top game and stuff like that just to – just because I feel like no matter what, I'm somebody's most likely going to pull on me regardless. Even in IBJJF, you you look at like I compete at featherweight, so like the majority of the the guys there like they're they're guard pulling. Yeah. I don't think in my division I don't think I've ever been taken down because no one no one goes for takedowns. Either I pull or they pull. Like <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's funny. Did you ever yeah. see uh, Tankino's match with Eddie Cummings back in the day? I think it was like 2015 or something like that. Maybe I don't remember. Was it ADCT? No, I think it was Polaris. But you should check okay. it out because he just like shuts down all of Eddie's leg lock attacks. It was oh, really yeah. cool. Yeah, didn't yeah. they? Uh, didn't didn't they also have a match at ADCC before that, and that was the rematch? I yeah, I believe so. I think it, maybe it was twenty. Was it twenty fifteen ADCC? Yeah, yeah. Because I think, think. Tikino beat him by two points, and then I think there was a draw at Polaris, right? Yes. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I, I felt like Tankino kind of dominated the pace of that match and definitely did like an awesome job staying out of all the leg attacks. And Eddie's like, in my opinion, one of the best leg lockers ever. Yeah. And and I don't know like how big leg locks are necessarily out toward you guys, but they're like huge on the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're getting bigger here. I mean, I feel like just the popularity in Nogi. There's like some Tenth Planet schools here, and then just people who are like competing more at high level Nogi events. Yeah. So they're getting more popular. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it was because, like, until recently, there wasn't, like, a ton of IBJJFs on this side of the East Coast. You know, there's, like, the Atlanta, Chicago, and stuff like that. So yeah. there's a lot of, like, little super fight uh, promotions that pop up, and they're all, like, n- no-gi, no-time limit stuff. And so everybody's way into the leg locks here. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. ADCC trials, man. That's going to be amazing yeah yeah we'll we'll see how it goes it should be fun yeah it's gonna be on uh i remember mo made like a post about it and i commented like is it gonna be on flow grappling and he was like yes definitely so i was like all right sweet i get to study all those matches that'll be sick (laughs) so do you have any uh you teach jujitsu too right you're you're an instructor yeah Yeah. what are your goals with uh with your teaching um like maybe even just like short-term goals like I don't know, maybe to start a competition team versus like long-term goals of the competition team. Definitely. Um, 
be I just I try to encourage as many people to compete as much as possible. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, definitely. Just, I think the big thing is I want like I try and I teach like a a lot of like fundamentals classes, a lot of kids classes, and my goal is like just to try and make try and get them to get bitten by the jujitsu bug, you know? Yeah, yeah, get, because that that's ultimately how. I feel like you 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 grow the school as a whole. You just get as many people as addicted to jujitsu oh, as possible. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I just try and make uh, I try and make I try and make honestly I try and make the classes as as fun as possible. And I do a little. I probably do a little less drilling than most people do, and I do a lot more like positional sparring, everything like that. Like um, I like I want people to um, once again just to kind of like because. You know, I'm, I'm I'm friends with Kit, and he's kind of had like a big influence on me. Is like I try and get people to uh, problem solve more so than anything else. Like I want them to like figure out jujitsu on their own. I don't want to be able to give them a step by step guide of how to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, if I teach like I can teach people a lot of closed guard stuff, but they're most likely going to do a lesser version of my closed guard. You know, I want them to figure yeah. out their jujitsu, not not my jujitsu in a different body. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to an actual like comp- competition team is one thing I'm really trying to 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 grow at our school. Like we have good we have a good amount of competitors, but I would always like more. And I just really try and push people to uh, to 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 kind of like rise to the occasion rather than yeah. me me coming down to the to to their level. Like I don't want to like I. I want them to feel like they need to. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say here. But are you trying to say like you you want them to want to compete for themselves? Is that yes. What yeah, yeah. I want them to. I want them to compete to get better and get you know, like yeah, like almost yeah. like to recognize that they need that step in order to yes progress yeah, as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, no, some people don't like. Sense. Yeah, some people don't like competitions, which I can completely get i completely understand but i honestly think like especially for me like competitions like make everything better when i'm when i'm gearing up for a competition and i'm like dieting and i'm lifting like everything seems to run smoother in my life even though like you know competition training might be crazy mm-hmm. you know because it, it really focuses me in on like what i need to do and like the absolute like prime of what like the prime you know kind of like prime numbers like the the bare yeah. minimum of what mm-hmm. i need to focus in on like you said cutting out the fat in the rest yeah. of your life yeah that's awesome so you mentioned um like being influenced by kit we had him on the podcast and his ideas are like super interesting to me yeah he's, yeah he's hilarious too sometimes i'll just go on his instagram if i need to cheer myself <laughs> up and just laugh my ass off for like an hour but uh, <laughs> but what are some of like the drills that you use in your class to to help people figure things out like i know you mentioned specific sparring i feel like that's a good one but it's almost like I feel like sometimes you have to at least give someone like a goal, maybe not necessarily like say, this is what you do in this move, A, B, C, and D, but like, here's the overarching goal of this position or whatever. Is that something similar to what you do or is it completely different? Yeah. Um, sometimes it really like, it varies. Like tonight I have to lead our advanced class. So it'll like, so our advanced class is almost all entirely sparring. Mm-hmm. So one of my um, favorite things to do, I know a lot of gyms do like first to score or something like that in like yeah. rounds. We, uh, I like to do first to dominant position because then it gets you, you know, I can sweep somebody, but now I have to pass their guard as well. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 stuff like that. But for like a newer person, um, like it's going to be like sweeping somebody, like figuring out which way I can move their weight to get them on their butt. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 real. Like I try and make it really really simple for people. So I'll teach like really simple. I'll teach them a really simple sweep, like the. Uh, uh, I know there's like a million names for sweeps, but like, um, like the tripod sweep. I think that's the yeah. easiest sweep for people to understand from open guard. Is like mm-hmm. you have a grip on their ankle or the pants leg. Just how do you move them backwards? Okay. Yeah. And we go through that, and I'm like, how can we apply that same idea to another position? You know, mm-hmm. the same idea. You know, I block their foot, and I kick, I kick, and I push to move them backwards. How can I apply that same idea? But like I said, that's kind of like regurgitating what Kit says, and so like, you know. If you want to find out methods of how to really learn, I would definitely check Kit out. Um, is it but, uh, what is it? The art of learning jiu-jitsu is that the his main part? Art of art of mastering jiu-jitsu. Art of mastering jiu-jitsu. Okay. Yeah. Is that the one where he kind of goes over his philosophy on on all that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Art of mastering jiu-jitsu. So we'll probably uh, put a link to that in uh, the description. Yeah, really good. It's it ch- yeah. it changed how I train and for the better. That's awesome. Yeah. How, how long ago did you uh, did you first watch it? Two or three years ago, I can't remember exactly. Oh wow, nice. That's but awesome. yeah, yeah. It was really you, like time to test those ideas and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like really, like with a lot of it, like 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 I said, it really helped me figure out how to like like, like I was saying, either like cut the fat out of my training. Like it mm-hmm. taught me how to train, basically how to improvise, how to problem solve. Like Kit says. Yeah, that's awesome. Sweet. So uh, we've been recording for like thirty six, almost thirty seven minutes. Is there any other like topics you thought would be cool to talk about, or anything else you want to? bring up or any message you think would be good for some of the listeners to hear yeah um so one thing i used to really really struggle with and i'm sure a lot of other people struggle with is competition anxiety for sure yeah yeah and and it's hard to do like competitions are hard to do um Mm -hmm. and uh, the reason why they're hard to do is you know you know people are like you know i do jujitsu all the time Why why are competitions hard to do it's because you know, you may roll every day, but you don't drive two hours, stand in line, get weighed in, sit in a bullpen for for forty five minutes. You don't do that every day. That's where the anxiety comes from. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one thing that really helped me is like when my first year at Purple Belt, I went like one and twelve or one and thirteen. Like I I lost like first round pretty much every competition I ever went to. Mm-hmm. The next year, I really got my I. Uh, I, I did well. I got silver at Pans in my division, oh, and then I, took, then I took third at Master Worlds. Nice. Um, um, but the one thing that really helped me was uh, my wife is a uh, well. She got her master's in psychology, and she's a counselor for a living. Mm-hmm. And so she's really she's really up to date on like anxiety tactics and everything like that. And she and we figured out like. And it worked, you know, it's different for every person, but we figured out what really works for me more so. And mine was just being as present as possible. Mm-hmm. And so one thing she would do for me, if I would start freaking out in a competition, she would be like, focus on how one part of your body feels against something else. Like, for example, if I'm wearing a, my flip-flops, fig- focus in, relax your entire body, and fi- and just focus on how the strap feels against your foot. And that something kind of relaxed. Really specific. Yeah, yeah, and it really relaxes your body and keeps you in the now because you're thinking about the strap on your foot. You're not thinking about the match you're going to have in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like you're just relaxed that way. Yeah. Right? And so it's just being present um, and 
that's the big thing is like everybody freaks out because their match is in 10 minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this works really well if you don't compete all the time. Like the one thing, the one thing a lot of people don't have the luxury of like the professional athletes is they can't compete every weekend because they have lives, they have jobs, they have families. And so, you know, you may do a, you may be doing a master's three division blue belt at like the Chicago open with like four other competitors in your division. Yeah. And while, you know, that may not seem like a big deal in the grand scheme of things, that is your big deal for that day. And so that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from. And mm -hmm. But because we think so much about that, because we don't compete all the time, we freak out the day of, we freak out right beforehand, and we don't perform like we should. So being present, being present in the moment, focusing on little things, taking a breather, having a playlist that calms you down really helps. And I just like, I just try and emphasize to everybody, be present right before you compete because you've already done all the work beforehand. You know, you've already, you, you've, you've trained every day. You've, you've, you've worked hard. You've done all the work you're going to do on the mats regardless, mm -hmm. you know, but being present right then and there is really going to help you focus on that part. Yeah, definitely. So you talked about too, like you were, I think you said one in 12 as a, a purple belt like when you first started and then you started getting much better results like as time went on yeah did you feel like when you were kind of in that period where you were losing more matches did it make it less stressful when you competed because you had you know you didn't really have anything to live up to or did it make it more stressful because you didn't want to continue on your streak on your more stressful more no stressful doubt. yeah more now <laughs> yeah yeah Be, uh, the main thing is like I, I i think it was all pressure i put on myself more than anything else because you know you know i work at a, a gym i train several times a day i feel like i feel like there's certain expectations i put on myself that i have to meet so if i'm losing a bunch i feel like like well what am i doing then like training twice a day you know if i'm yeah. still getting crappy results mm -hmm. yeah I, I definitely i can definitely relate to that and see other people who kind of go through that same thing um, but yeah, that's really good advice. Like, do you have any other like little exercises you do other than the one you mentioned, like trying to feel a specific part of your body or whatever, like focus on yeah. something small like that? Yeah. So, uh, my, uh, like I keep bringing up my wife, but she's helped me tremendously like mm -hmm. competition wise, but it's like, um, finding the optimal level of anxiety. Mm -hmm. I know, I know people don't like anxiety, but like with her, and she's got and like she has like studies that back this up and everything. When we have too much anxiety, we don't play to our best. You know? Yeah. When we have too little anxiety, we don't play to our best, you know? Because you know, too much anxiety, we freeze on the spot. You know, mm -hmm. we're freaking out on the inside. Too little, we're too relaxed, we're too lackadaisical, we're we're not gonna do what we need to do, you know. It'd be like going, it'd be like, it'd be like taking the mindset of going to your everyday open mat to a competition, you know. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're, like you're not gonna perform your best because you're so relaxed, you're so in this mode of like, I'm just gonna have fun, do go with the flow, whatever I want to. So for me personally, my I was too anxious, like like mm -hmm. too, I was freaking out beforehand. So what we ended up doing is we found we found out what worked best for me is we have like we created a really like chill good vibes playlist for myself that I would listen to. I know a lot of people like to listen to like music that amps them up or something like that, but for me I was already amped up. I actually needed something to bring me down. So it was like it's like music that would uh that would remind me of my wife, my family, my kids, stuff like that, really easygoing. 
um, music, like, uh, like one of the songs, like I, I always think of you when it comes on, it's, uh, 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 Alkaline, uh, Alkaline Trio's uh, cover of uh, "Moving Light Right Along." Oh from my god, Muppet. it's one of the one of the best songs ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what that's on my playlist because it reminds me of my kid, and it just puts me right in a good oh, headspace that, as so soon as awesome, I'm right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, and so my thing is like, just figure out if if you're too anxious, figure out what can bring you down. If you're not anxious enough, figure out what can make things a little more uh, can bring you to optimal level anxiety. Do you think there's like an opt- is the optimal level of anxiety different for each person or is it yes. kind of is it okay. well you want to you want to be in that level of not too anxious and not too relaxed but how you get there is going to be different for everybody right like if you're too relaxed you might need stuff to amp mm-hmm. you up yeah like um i don't know have you ever read uh relentless by like tim grover yep yeah yeah so so do you remember the part where he's talking about um where they're like you shouldn't need to get pumped up for the game. You should already be in that mode by the time you get there. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I feel like. Like if like I sh- I'm already in that mode. And he talks about like if you're in that mode, you should you should you shouldn't be so pumped up. You need something to probably bring you down. And that's that's where we originally got the idea from. We started working on that to bring to to bring it down. So that 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 should, that was just my mindset of like how can I get to that level that I perform the best at. But and like I said, how you get there is going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Since you brought up Tim Grover's book, and that was like really good one. I haven't read it in probably like four or five years. But are there any other books that helped you? Um, maybe stuff that was like psychological, helped with your mindset, or even just like inspirational. Definitely, um, Winning by Tim Grover. I don't know if you've read yeah, his new one. His, his new one, right? Yeah, I have. Not yeah, read yeah, it, but I want yeah. Yeah, I actually really like that one better than Relentless. Um, really interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, nice. Winning's really good. Uh, uh, the champion's mindset. I can't remember who it's by. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read that. That one's really good. Uh, Atomic Habits. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, if you're looking to make jujitsu your life, I would definitely recommend the Four Hour Work Week. Nice. Yeah, I've, it's been years since I read that. Yeah, um, I think and, someone else suggested to- Atomic Habits. I think it was Connor DeAngelis. Yeah, Atomic Habits is really good. And then I'm trying to think. Uh, the Art of Learning by uh, Joseph uh, Waitskin, Watchkin, Josh, I can remember. Josh Joshua Watchkin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. That that one's really good. Um, nice. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, that's the big ones off the top of my head. But yeah, both the Tim Grover's books are probably my two favorite like mindset books of all time. Yeah, that's awesome. That yeah, I gotta check out winning. Really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sweet. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on, or? Uh, not that I can think of, unless you have any other questions. It's been fun. Yeah, no, that's pretty much all I had. And obviously, we can do this again whenever we want. Um, hopefully, we can get some more like Patreon content from you. I thought the interview was really good. You gave some really good tips, like stuff with anxiety. I think everyone can benefit from that. Everyone feels that before tournaments, and just tips mm-hmm. on how to make jujitsu a bigger part of your life. That that helped me a lot too. So yeah, I appreciate it. That was awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So thanks, everyone, for listening. This is the first episode of the Listener Series. So join our Patreon if you guys want to be a part of it um, or if you just want to support us either way. <laughs> but, but, yeah, we will see you guys soon for the next episode.